Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Good morning, good morning. Hallelujah, it's a beautiful day out there. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for your word, which is true. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, Father God. It divides the truth asunder, Father, that we know what is the truth. We give you praise, Father. And I just ask that by your spirit, Father, that you give me those words that need to be said today, Lord. These notes are just notes, Father God, but your spirit is ever living, and you know what needs to be done. And we just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I just quickly, I just want you to know about the jacket here. I thought we were getting a new, uh, a new uh, wardrobe thing going here. We got Ryan wearing ties all the time, and we got Sean wearing his jacket last week, and we got Herb in his tuxedos. So I thought, well, you know, I should go get a jacket, you know, kind of keep up with the Joneses. Anyway, come to find out, so I go to a men's warehouse to get a jacket, and they put me in a modern jacket. Well, you know, that's not quite you. So then we go to a classic jacket. But I think, you know, I'm a classic guy, you know. But no, that doesn't quite work. And they said, let's try the executive. This is an executive suit. You know what executive means? Buddy, you're getting fat. <laughs> exactly what it means. Hallelujah. So, so anyway, they have such a nice way of phrasing things, you know. So anyway, I was doing some studying. We've got this book, Never Quit, that men, the men are reading. It's been an awesome book. Uh, I just encourage you guys that are not in the men's meetings, please come. High school age or older, it's worth it. These books we're reading, and the time of fellowship is awesome. But anyway, as I was reading this, one of the scriptures that stood out to me was uh, 1 Kings 18.24, and we'll get to that in a second, but it says, it's the God who answers by fire. So, you all know the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, but there's something here that kind of went at a little different angle. So in, in 1 Kings 18.21, it says, Elijah came near to all the people. And he says, how long will you halt and limp between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. These are the people of Israel, the people of God. And he's challenging them, either follow the devil or follow God. And they kept their mouths shut. So in verse 24, he was challenged the, the uh, prophets of Baal, but then he says, then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the one who answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people says, yeah, that's good. I don't know if you noticed in this verse, in these two verses, there's not a lot of conviction of the people of Israel. The people who have been brought up from slavery, who go back to, they go back to Abraham, they go back to Isaac and Jacob, they go back to Moses, and they see, have got these stories of all these wonderful miracles that have happened over the time. And they look at him and they say, okay, whichever one answers, we'll follow. And I was looking at that and just, ah, people. <laughs> so 
if we go to Exodus 14 and 15 and 16, not all those chapters, just Exodus 14. It says, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea, divide it, and the Israelites shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. He did that. And the people crossed over and they got to the other side. What happened when they got to the other side? Woohoo, look at this. Look at those look at those Egyptians go under the water. This is great. This is awesome. Hey Moses, we're thirsty. Hey Moses, we're hungry. Hey Moses. Wow, that's awesome. You can get water out of a rock. Hey, look at all this manna. It's pretty tasteless. We're so dissatisfied at times. We forget about the God who answers by fire. You know, when the Israelites were moving, what did they move by? During the day, they had a cloud. And by the night, they had a pillar of fire. And they moved by that. That's their history. And yet, when it came to this, yeah, whoever answers will follow. One of the things I find in our church culture today, which is, is uh, sad, but it, I can see it just because we get so involved in so many other things. We get to this point, we look at God and we're like, yeah, you know, if, if you do it, that's fine. That'd be great. I like that commercial where the, well, not the commercial, the movie where the guy says, you know, you know well, if you can get those files to me by tonight, that'd be awesome. We kind of have this attitude. You know, God, yeah. Just whenever, you know, we appreciate it. Just get it to us. We've come to this place where we have, we don't have an expectation. What we have is this feeling of, you owe me. We're looking at a God for a God of convenience. I was looking at, uh, this just kind of came through my mind the other day. You know those little communion cups that we use? Convenient. You know, when the Israelites had their Passover, they had a piece of bread in front of them that was pierced, pointing to Jesus' piercings. It had stripes pointing to the stripes that Jesus would take for us. And then they would break it for the breaking of his body. Later in their culture, they would actually hide it, proclaiming his death burial, and they'd pull it out, his resurrection. We don't do that anymore. We like convenience. That little cup, it's nice, and it, it satisfies. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't satisfy. But, you know, we've gotten to this place where we, we want convenience. We want a convenient God. You know, God, if you're going to answer by fire, that's awesome. But if you're not, we can do whatever. You know, I can live my life. I'll get some friends. I'll go to the psychiatrist. I'll go to the doctor's. We forget this God who answers by fire. So then he was bringing to me faith and unbelief. Because we have not seen the God who answers by fire. In other words, we weren't there. We didn't see the fire come down and lick up. What we have is the true account of what happened. This is what we trust and rely on, right? We trust and rely on his word. Let's go to James 2. Verse 14, 
It says, what is the use or profit, my brethren, for anyone to profess to have faith if he has no good works to show for it? Can such faith save his soul? If a brother or sister is poorly clad and lacks food for each day, and one of you says to him, goodbye, but keep yourself warm and be well fed without giving him the necessities for the body, what good is that? So also is faith. If it does not have works, deeds, and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself is destitute of power, inoperative, and dead. But someone will say to you then, you say you have faith, and I have good works. Now show me your alleged faith apart from your good works, if you can, and I, by the good works of obedience, will show you my faith. There's works. We do not work to get saved, but we work from our salvation to reach others for Christ and to raise up the body, to build up the body, to build up our faith. So there's a couple words, and the word belief comes from the word pistis. It is defined as a persuasion that is credence, a moral conviction of truth, or the truthfulness of God. And we have the word doubt. It's from the word diacrino. It's defined as to separate thoroughly, that is to literally or reflexively withdraw from or to oppose. It also means to hesitate. So as I was looking at this, I felt myself getting taken down a path that I wasn't all that uplifting, but it's necessary. Because God gave us faith, right? Now, I believe in my heart that from the moment you're born, I believe actually from the moment you're conceived, faith has been implanted in you. You might say, how do you say that? Well, when, when the Lord came through somebody to minister the gospel to you, you had faith to receive. So it isn't like he just says, oh, Ryan's going to get saved today, so I'll just dump it into him right now. But Tim's going to take a while, so I'll wait before I dump it into him. No, the faith was in us. We had to believe in our heart. So what did you have to do? What did you have to do? You had to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. As simple as that. But you had to do something. You had to do something. You had to confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That he died. He was buried. He was resurrected. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. So he took me down this path about unbelief. And I'll be honest with you, this is a hard one because Luann and I have been going through some trials lately. And the devil, he's stupid, but he's very persistent. He will hammer your head, he will hammer your head, and he will hammer your head. So in 2 Corinthians 10, we talk about taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ casting down every imagination and taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Those are things we have to do, but you have to be obedient about it. Are you going to do it? Or are you just going to fall into that place and say, well, you know, why? It's just so hard. It'd just be easier. 
But anyway, let's go to Matthew 14 and verse 28. Before I go there, I should mention that the word faith is also the same word, pistis. But there's a difference between these that we're going to look at here in a little bit. So Matthew 14, verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. You know, this is kind of the first thing we do when some problem crops up at us, right? Wow, I'm full of faith. I'm going to do this. This is awesome. Watch me. I'm on the water. But when he perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened. And as he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me from death. Instantly. Get a hold of that. Instantly. In your lives today. Instantly. Jesus reached out his hand and caught and held him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We've heard this said many different ways where people say, well, you know, why didn't he just say, well, that's fine. You got this far. Go team. You know, you, you, know, you were so close. And I'll give you the attaboy for that. No. Why did you doubt? So I began to look at this unbelief. Let's go to Matthew 13, 57. These are in the Amplified, so they get a little wordy, but it says 15, 1357, and they took offense at him. They were repelled and hindered from acknowledging his authority and caused to stumble. But Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many works of power there because of their unbelief, their lack of faith in the divine mission of Jesus. What is the divine mission of Jesus? To seek and save the lost. But more than that is to keep you whole and healthy due to the work of the gospel here on earth. Because you've got work to do. I've got work to do. Luann's got work to do. <laughs> but we do. We have work to do. So why do you doubt? Mark 6, 6 was interesting. You know, sometimes I think that, you know, they say they couldn't surprise Jesus because he knew everything, but I always remember the centurion when, he, when the centurion servant came to him and he says, wow, that's awesome. Never, never in all of Israel have I heard such faith. So sometimes I think he was surprised. He says here in verse Mark 6, 6, he says, and he marveled because of their unbelief their lack of faith in him. And he went about them among, among the surrounding villages and continued teaching. I really don't want to marvel Jesus with my unbelief. You know? I want to marvel him with my belief. I want to marvel him with the faith that he gave in me that 
is growing daily. You know, the word says that we're supposed to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. You know, that's a day-to-day thing. And the reason I say it's a day-to-day thing because 10 minutes or 10 seconds or 10 nanoseconds after you proclaim something by faith, the devil's going to come along and he's going to say, oh yeah? Really? You really believe that? You're really going to stand on that? But the power of God is evident in our lives when we stand in faith and declare. I don't want to be like those Israelites who are standing there waiting for the fire to fall on the altar and say, oh, well, yeah, I guess we'll follow him. You know, where's the altar of your life? I got thinking about this. Where's the altar of my life? Where am I putting putting myself before him? Where am I dying to self? Where am I sacrificing self for him? For his glory. That he can use me without me getting in the way. I don't want to be in this unbelief. Mark 16 Forgot to put the verse down. But we'll find it. It says, afterward, he appeared to the eleven apostles themselves as he reclined at a table. And he reproved and reproached them for their unbelief, their lack of faith, and their hardness of heart, because they had refused to believe those who had seen him and looked at him attentively after he had risen. You know, we often, I, I, I can speak to myself when people have said things, I can, I can say that, yeah, that's nice for you. I mean, how many times have you actually looked at somebody and said, well, obviously they must have had more faith. They must have had more connection with God. They were more pious or whatever. And it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with your relationship with him and where you're at right now and where you're going to go from here. Are you going to grow? Are you going to stand in the way? You know, there's a scripture there, and I, I just came to my mind. I wish I remember where it is. It says, stand fast, quit you like men. That's a call. That's a command. What does that mean? Stand, it's King James, so it says, quit you like men. But what it means is you don't stop. It just means that you're going to be here as a man or a woman of God, and you're going to go forth, and you're going to do that which has called you to do. You're going to stand on the gospel. You're going to stand on the truth. You're going to stand for what is right. He calls us to do that. Problem is, too often we get this variable thing going where we... Somebody says something over here, and then somebody says something over here, and then, you know, I'll tell you, you go go through some of these disease issues, you know, and they say, well, you need this, you need that. This is a grim uh, prognosis. This is, uh, and you're going, oh, God, this, oh, what am I going to do? This is grim. This is grim. Uh, Oh, brother's grim. This is terrible. What are we going to do? Stand fast and quit you like men. And they're talking about a men of war. So what does a man of war have? He's got the armor of God. He stands fast in his position to the truth 
and does not move. He defends this position. And how does he defend it? With the word of God. The sword of the spirit. We know in Revelations that we talk about a spirit, a sword like this, hacking and going away like, or, you know, in the book of Revelation, it says the sword came out of his mouth. So you're going to push a sword to work? This is one of the things that challenges when things come up. I don't care if they're health. I don't care if they're financial. I don't care whatever problem that comes along, relationships, whatever, they come along. What is this going to do? Are you going to stand forth and stand on the truth and speak the truth so that the sword of the Spirit goes out and does what it's supposed to do? What is that? Divides the truth, right? Asunder, like bone from marrow, so that you know, stand. We have to stand. The thing about unbelief is, is that when we think we're being overwhelmed, or we hear somebody say, well, you know, that's being religious, or do you think, you think you've got the faith, what's faith going to do for you when this is going on? And we waver. You know, the devil is a liar. And you know what the amazing thing about the devil is? He uses people. He uses well-meaning people. He uses mean people that you trust and rely on to come up with a word at one time that you're going like, yeah, that's a man of God. He told me that. Maybe I should go see this naturopath or try this herb or try this... Did God tell you to do that? Did the Spirit of God witness that to your heart? Or did you just decide because his brother... You know, there are things in the gospel that worked for people because they believed in that. You know, the centurion, he says, go get Jesus, but tell him I'm not worthy for him to come to my house, but send the word because I am a man under authority and I understand what that means. Jesus was marveled at that And he says, go and tell the centurion or your master that what he has said has come to pass. And on the way back, what did he find? Hey, your servant is well. And then there were those who couldn't get past the fact that he was the carpenter's son. You know, a lot of people will bring up our path, past, not our path, (laughs) lisp there. But they'll, they'll bring up our past. You know, Pastor Sean has talked about this other times, how people had a hard time receiving from it because they remember from back here. You know? Thing is, is that dead? Is there anything I can do about that in my past? If somebody's going to look at my past, can I do anything about that? No, it's gone. Today, right now, The words I spoke just a minute ago are in the past. But are they in your heart? Because that's where they have to live. This word has to live in your heart. It's a day-to-day thing. Honestly, sometimes it's a minute-by-minute. So he looked at them and he rebuked them because they refused to believe 
And he said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel to every creature of the whole human race. And he who believes, who adheres to and trusts in and relies on the gospel and him whom it sets forth and is baptized will be saved from the penalty of eternal death. But he who does not believe, who does not adhere to, trust in and rely on the gospel will be condemned. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe me. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages, and you can go on. They will raise, raise the dead, heal the sick. Do you believe it? I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. i got one pastor who says, yeah. You know what I'm hearing from a lot of the rest of you? Sounds almost like the people at the altar. And I'm not being critical. I know myself. I, generally speaking, I'm not a real quiet guy. If I'm yelling, then there's something really bad happening. <laughs> uh, I don't raise my voice a lot. I'm not a guy who says, you guys, if you all had this happen, raise your hand. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I know it's happened. But there's a thing that that... If we're being obedient, that's something I have to look at this in my own self. Simple things like that. Have you been here? Raise your hand. Yes. I'm attesting to a truth. We need to attest to a truth. How do you attest to a truth? You speak it. And then you do it. Um... I don't know where all this is going to go in the next two, day, two weeks, but it's just kind of interesting that one of the things the Lord kept raising up in me is that the presence of the Lord. Did you know that the power of God is here right now to heal? He is. But what are you doing about it? What are you declaring over yourself? You know, you're born again wherever your feet tread is, is holy ground, Right? You carry within you the Holy One of God. He's in you. The presence of God is in you, which means the power to heal is in you right now. I don't have to call anybody up. I'm not saying it won't happen maybe next week or something. I don't feel it's happening tonight, but today, but it's here. And it's with you now. There's not one thing it doesn't touch in your life. But what's going to come out of your mouth five seconds from now? Or go flash through your mind that you're not going to correct with your mouth? Well, that's a good word, but I still hurt. That's a good word, but I still feel. It's a good word regardless of how you feel. Hebrews 3.19 Hebrews 3.19, this God who answers by fire. says, so we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Unbelief had shut them out. I'm like, wow. Shut them out. 
Can you imagine being shut out of heaven? Can you imagine, I mean, let's just bring it down to here. Can you imagine being shut out of your healing? Can you imagine being shut out of the prosperity that God has planned for you? Can you believe that, can you be in that unbelief that those relationships that you're supposed to develop and maybe mend can be healed? Can you imagine being shut out of that? How horrible that would be? We're not shut out of anything as long as we obey him. It's what he's called us to do. Hebrews 4, 6. Seeing then that the promise remains over from past times for some to enter that rest, and that those who formerly were given the good news about it and the opportunity failed to appropriate it and did not enter in because of disobedience. You know, disobedience is kind of a rough thing too. Hear and obey. God puts out in his word to obey. And what did he say in this? Uh, these scriptures pop up. I wish, I, I wish he'd tell me exactly where they were. <laughs> but obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. Sad thing is, there's a lot of us that would rather sacrifice. I'd rather not make that step, Father. I'm not going to make that investment in that person. I'm not going to put my faith out there for a chance that it might be made of non-use. It's not going to happen. I just, you know, if I would just go this way and I'll, I'll, sacrifice, I'll sacrifice to the medical profession, I'll sacrifice to the get-rich-quick stuff, I'll, sa- I'll, I'll sacrifice to these guys because I know, Lord, that you'll, you'll bless my hand in whatever I do, right? No. Did he tell you? I'm not dissing doctors or the medical profession. We need them. But the thing is, is your trust in them or is your the trust the one in you? Did he tell you to go there and do that? Or were you listening? Were you listening to your symptoms? Were you listening to your bank account? Were you listening to your retirement account? Or were you listening to the Spirit of God within you that said, do this, not that? And too often what we do is we sit back and we circumstances roll and they come and we look at these circumstances and we see You know, Brother Dale does this, so maybe I should do that. No, God told Dale to do that. He didn't tell me to do that. Well, Ryan's really good here. Maybe I should do that. No, God told Ryan to do that. He didn't tell me to do that. See, I'm being moved by people if I do that. I'm seeing a success. And I say, wow, to get that success, maybe I need to start a business like Mike. I can do that. Yeah, I tried that once. It didn't, you know. (laughs) Did not work. Because I didn't hear from God, but what I said was, 
I went, actually, I went to the Small Business Administration. I gave them my business plan, such as it was. They looked at that. The guy looked at me a few days later and says, it ain't going to work. I said, yeah, but you know, my God. Now, you might say, well, yeah, you spoke the word of God. My God. No, God did not tell me. What I did is I said, you know, I'm going to just, does that sound a little bit like tempting God? A little bit like tempting God. <laughs> and years later, as I looked back on it, and after the business failed, and I had to go through all that mess, and I had to return money, and I had to you know, make all these things I had to do, and then I had to sit there and suck my thumb for a while. You know, I had to realize that God never told me to do that. Just because I knew what to do, and I knew how to sell it does not mean I was supposed to do it. God put it on my heart many years ago to minister the gospel. I didn't know where that meant. I, I wasn't really in a church that taught a lot of those things at the time. And by the time I got into that, well, now I'm, I'm out of bankruptcy. We didn't bankrupt, but we, we almost did. But... You know, I'm, I'm trying to get back financially for my wife and kids. I got a good job at the refinery. I'm making this money. And you know what the interesting thing about making all that money? It takes time. You know what happens when you take time? Your wife and kids don't get your time. God doesn't get your time. I used to read the Bible at the refinery. But there wasn't a really good place. You know, I'd pray sometimes going up down the towers while I was on there. But... It's different. I'm not saying those times weren't blessed. But you know, it robbed time from my family. And I missed two Sundays a week from church. So I was, I couldn't get, you know. You know, you miss a couple, for me anyway, if I miss a couple Sundays at church, I'm like, wow. Are they even going to remember me? (laughs) But no, I, I feel like I've missed something. I miss you guys. I miss this fellowship of saints. I miss us getting together and like-minded believers, encouraging one another. One of the things the Lord gave me years ago, we went up to a minister's conference in uh, Red Deer, uh, Alberta. And the person that was there said, you know, you really should have a personal vision. You should seek God for a personal vision of your life or a mission more than anything else, not like seeing something drop from heaven, but a mission for your life. What is that? So Luann and I were there, we we were praying for a while, and and the Lord brought this to me to, um, and then I forget it right off the bat, (laughs) to exhort and encourage the body of Christ to excellence. That's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm telling you about unbelief. I'm encouraging you to excellence. I'm encouraging you to believe. I'm exhorting you to look at this word before you look at anything else. I'm exhorting you to look at the spirit inside you. What is he telling you to do? And then have the faith to do it. Because without that, you're going to be like I was, floundering, trying to find this thing. How's it going to work? How's this going to work? 
now I've messed up and my, I got to take care of my wife and kids. I mean, they want to come get my house. Uh, you know, can you imagine? I don't know, maybe some of you have been there, but you know, when somebody calls you, or actually called Luann that morning and says, well, we're going to start uh, repossession proceedings on your house. And then she calls me. <laughs> And I can tell you right now, my first words were, well, in the name of Jesus, they're not going to take it. I got a little scared. I'm not going <laughs> to not going to sugarcoat that at all. I got a little scared. We could have sold it. We would have had some money to, you know. But that's a scary time. And I'll be right up front with you. I wasn't all that happy with God at that time. Why wasn't this working? Well, it could go back to the fact that I wasn't obedient back here. And those disobedient times will follow you for a while. Don't get me, you know, don't get me wrong. God's not sitting here punishing you. But when we were almost to the point of rep- getting our house repossessed, it took a few years to get back to a place where we had money in the bank. I mean, I was blessed. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I had a good job. I was favored in the job I was in, but it took time. Disobedience takes time to recover from. It's not like, oh, I'm sorry, God, forgive me. Let's fix this, okay? Yeah, we'll fix it, but it's going to take a little time, you know. You were here. I've forgiven you, but now we have to walk this out. You have to build your faith again. You know, your faith can do this. Faith is always here, but you have to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Let's go to Hebrews 4.11. It says, let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive. There's that word strive. That means work. Diligently. To enter the rest of God, to know and experience for ourselves. That no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. He's making a warning. This is in Hebrews. This is in the New Testament. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to you and me that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience. I saw this a while ago when we were talking about the armor of God and something that Pastor Sean brought up that I had forgotten, but I'm supposed to check your armor. You're supposed to check mine. If you don't check my armor, you're putting me in harm's way. If I don't check your armor, I'm putting you in harm's way. You know what checking your armor means? I wouldn't do that if I were you. Have you sought God? I don't get a good witness about this. Are you sure you want to go down that path? What's coming out of your mouth? Are you really believing what you're speaking? I'm checking your armor. 
Where's your shield of faith at? Would you leave it back there? It's not going to do you much good. Where's your sword? Are you keeping it shut up? We do that a lot. My dad was real good about not saying a lot of things because he said, you know, whatever goes out, it's out there forever. Checking your armor. And you better be checking mine. And you better be checking each other's. You have to. You better be checking your spouse's armor. Better be checking your kid's armor. You should even check your folks' armor. I'll give you one more verse. Got a little time for it so we don't have any meetings today. Mark 5, 34. I was going to save this till next week, but maybe this will just jump into it. So, Jesus, Jairus has come to Jesus and he says, my daughter's very ill. Please come. And so on the way, of course, you know, if we go back up to the whole story, this woman who has been suffering with the issue of blood for all these years has, has, been, say, has been saying, not just said, but has been saying to herself, if I but touch the hem of his garden, I will be made whole. So Jesus is walking with Jairus. The woman comes up and touches him, touches the hem of his garment, is healed. And Jesus starts to have this discussion with her daughter, your faith has made you whole. Did you hear that? Your faith has made you whole. Not my faith, not my garment. Your faith has made you whole. He's having this conversation. While he's having this conversation, some people come along and they said, you know, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. So verse 34, he had said to the daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. While he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble you the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Don't doubt. The man had faith. He just heard a bad word. The worst word you'll ever hear in your life. Guaranteed. He suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, and the brother James. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he seed in the tumult them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he come to them, he said to them, Why do you make this noise, and why weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeps. That's a declaration of the Lord. And look at this. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, see, sometimes you have to put people out. Nobody likes to do that. I'm being a little unhospitable. No, you need to get out of here. You're causing doubt and division in my house and in my heart. I can't have you around here. You need to get out. So he laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him 
and entered where the damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kami, Kumi, which means interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them that no man should know. Don't doubt. Only believe. Your miracle is that close. Your financial prosperity is that. And when I talk about prosperity, I'm not talking millions of dollars. I'm just saying your needs are met. To do what needs to be done. That close. That's not far. That's your lips. Speaking the word. Your heart believing. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Father, we give you thanks for this morning. We thank you for the blessing of your word. We thank you, Father God, that you love us so much. Father God, we're so thankful that your power is present to heal now. We thank you, Father God, that your love for us endures forever. And we stand firm on the promises of God. We stand firm on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.